What's up, everybody? Welcome to our live Q&A show with Dr. Rogers. Um, as you may or may not know, uh, this happens every Tuesday night between 5.30 and 5.45. Uh, really appreciate you guys joining us uh, as we get going here, and we'll let, the, we'll let people come on in. Uh, until people get here, Doc, how you doing, man? Good. How you doing, Ben? How was your day? Uh, it's been a great day. We, we, I'm telling you, we, we, we have questions uh, continuing to, to roll in. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to manage those right now. Um, so, uh, if I don't get to it, uh, this week, I promise it will be on next week, but I'm next week's show, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that we can, we can fit all these in here. Um, guys, we got, we got some people with us. Say hello. Um, tell us how your day's going. Uh, Mark, what's up? I see you on YouTube. Thank you for, for hanging out. Thank you for the question. We're going to get to that. Um, all my Facebook friends, uh, hello. And Doc, I think we should, I think we should go ahead and, and get started. What do you think? I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. You, you're in a, you're, you're in that, you're in that mode. You're, you're ready to roll. Um, okay. We're going to start it off and, um, let's see. What's up, Jessica? How's it going? Uh, great to, great to see you. Thank you for, for hanging out. Um, all right. Number one, here we go. I have questions about NAFL milk thistle. If so, how much to take and how do you eat with it? Okay. Um, milk thistle is a great, uh, detoxification supplement for, your liver, I guess your NAFL stands for non-alcoholic fatty liver, which we talked about last week and the benefits of coffee um, really cuts down on that by about 40%. So, um, yeah, milk thistle is great for you. Um, uh, it's, it's a great, especially if you have, if you're overweight, if you have non-alcoholic fatty liver or if you have, if you drink and you have elevated liver enzymes, um, if you just want to detox, if you have bowel irregularities, hard time digesting food, um, especially breaking down fats. Um, you know, we have it here at the office, Life Extension makes it, I think it's about about 800 to 1,000 milligrams of it. Um, how do you eat with it? Well, most people take it with food. Um, you don't have to, you can take it on an empty stomach. It may be more better, a little faster, but a lot of people tolerate it better on their stomachs if they take it after a meal. So that's usually what I recommend is after a meal. Um, so, uh, but yeah, if you have any, if you're overweight, if you drink alcohol, um, if you take a lot of medicines that may affect your liver, like if you have to take a statin, um, that kind of thing, uh, it's a great supplement. Uh, great for your liver. So what I'm hearing is between 800 and a thousand milligrams. And yeah, I think uh, it comes in something like there's two parts of it. Uh, it comes from a flowering plant, a fruit. Um, I think one of the ingredients is about 760 milligrams. Another is 150 or 60. So just take the life extension, uh, uh, milk thistle supplement. And on an empty stomach for optimal uh, use? Not really. I'd take it after a meal. It's better tolerated with something on your stomach. So Cool. Cool. Uh, it won't hurt you to take on an empty stomach either, though. 
So. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that question. Um, okay. Uh, next one. If you suffer from knee pain after COVID, it's been five weeks since first symptoms. What should you do? I assume it's inflammation. Does it need to be treated? And uh, will it eventually go away on its own? Have you seen that out of curiosity? Um, I've seen a lot of aggravation of arthritis for sure, particularly rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, even the vaccine can flare that up some too. But certainly uh, COVID has caused a lot of back problems. Um, so, I mean, if it's both knees, if it's one knee, it may be something different. I don't know the history of your knee pain or if you have arthritis in your knees or what else is going on with you. You may have an autoimmune trigger or something. So, um, I mean, if you took, if you had COVID and it just caused one knee to hurt, it makes you wonder, you probably had something going on with that knee before then. But, um, yeah, I mean, you may want to get it checked out. Um, sometimes I draw some inflammation labs or, you know, examine the knee, get an x-ray, see if you're getting a worn out knee, cartilage damage, et cetera. So, you know, if it's just one knee, it probably needs to be looked at. If it's both knees and it flared for whatever reason from COVID, which it certainly could. I mean, I've seen COVID kick off a lot of problems like re-exacerbate migraine headaches, flare up rheumatoid arthritis, flare up lupus, flare up a lot of digestive problems, rashes. Um, saw a guy today who, uh, after his vaccine, he developed a pretty bad rash. It was still there five weeks later. Um, so I said to put him on a little round of steroids. So um, get it checked out, but certainly it could be COVID related. You see a lot of weird stuff with COVID. All right. Thank you for Crazy that. Stuff. Um, and this is actually, this is a, another COVID question. I'm going to read the full thing. I couldn't quite uh, fit it all in here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read the first part of this question. And the first part is two days after my first Pfizer vaccine shot, I developed what seemed to be stomach inflammation and it flared up every time I ate. I immediately stopped eating all wheat and sugar, and now about four weeks later, my stomach feels better than before. I'm concerned about the second vaccine dose and whether or not it will trigger another reaction. Would it be sensible to avoid the shot and take something like ivermectin as a prophylactic until you know cases go down? Uh, currently, they take vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, uh, and a multivitamin with quercetin. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it'd certainly be reasonable to not take the shot. I wouldn't take the second one if I had that kind of reaction on the first one. Uh, and I'll, I'm taking ivermectin as a prophylactic once a week anyway. I've been doing that for eight months. So that's certainly reasonable. I mean, the first shot, super two, this is it to 94, 95, but, you know, the experts say you need the second shot. Um, I don't particularly agree with that. So if it was me, I wouldn't take the shot. Yeah, I'd get on ivermectin. I'm kind of outside the box, uh, you know, uh, but uh, not really conventional thinker on some of this COVID stuff, especially when it comes to the vaccine. But um, so that's certainly very reasonable. I agree with what you're doing. But anyway, you need to cut out sugar and wheat anyway. I mean, that ought to tell you something right there. I've had a lot of post-COVID syndromes that, 
uh, just clean up their diet and cut out processed food and sugar and it gets better within a day or two. So think about that as far as what you eat for Speak, the rest of your life. Speaking of that, I, I want to give Debbie a, a, a shout out here. Uh, she gave up soft drinks in 2012 and, uh, and has not drinking any soft drinks since. Congratulations. That's awesome. That is a, it's a really big deal. Um, uh, cutting out soft drinks is one of the, one of the best ways to, to get rid of, uh, sugar or, or, or drink less sugar. Uh, so congratulations, Debbie. Great. Great. Um, okay. Let's see here. Oh, speaking of sugar, I'm wondering if you have anything you can do to help one get over a sugar addiction. Uh, yeah, you know, we deal with that every day in our office, insulin resistance, sugar addiction. Sugar is probably the most habit-forming substance on the planet, more more habit-forming than even cocaine or heroin. Um, if they did an experiment at Harvard a few years ago, I love to talk about, They we study everything with rats, mice, and they, they did an experiment where they gave these mice a choice between going down one pathway where there was sugar as a reward or going down the other pathway where cocaine was a a reward and they all the mice chose sugar over cocaine so they took it a step further they addicted the mice to cocaine and then gave them the choice they still chose sugar so that's to tell you how much it lights up that dopamine system in your brain. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things. Sometimes we use medicines for it, like metformin or herbal berberine. I started somebody today on berberine that couldn't tolerate metformin on their stomach because it can cause some digestive issues. Um, Ozempic is, is a good one that I use. Uh, now, are, are you, are you putting them, are you putting them on that in, in the, um, with the intention of trying to get them off sugar or just lose weight in general? Times. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even use a medicine called Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant uh, to get people off of uh, alcohol, drugs, smoking, and sugar. Sugar's up there with those addictions. So, yeah, I mean, if you need, if you can't do it on your own, you need help with it, then both from a medical standpoint and medicines and psychological help, uh, even something mild to help you overcome anxiety while you get off of it. You can actually go through withdrawals from sugar addiction. Hmm. Um, Very habit forming. And once you taste that next sugar, you start craving it. And it's hard to get off of sugar, but it's absolutely tantamount to your health to get off of it. So, you know, that's a great question. It is a great question. And, And I actually didn't know that you were using some of those uh, herbals as well as medications for, uh, getting off sugar. That's something we should, we should probably do a podcast on more specifically. Cause I know that's a, you know, it's something we all struggle with, um, especially with what you're saying and how habit forming. It- and you could even detox by getting, you know, on some one of the safer sugar substitutes like stevia, um, uh, some of those, um, uh, maybe even erythritol. Uh, that are safer sugar alcohols. So, um, something that everybody can relate to it. That's a a wonderful question. Uh, I'm just going to say hello to, to Motaz. What's going on, man? Good to see you on YouTube. Thank you for being here. We'll get you a question. 
Um, and I also want to remind everybody, we've got a, a huge week next week. Um, we have our Mother's Day specials all week in all of our offices. And, uh, and, as, and as a part of that, I'm going to be uh, doing, bringing back the morning show with my mother, uh, Jenny Rogers. We're going we're gonna to be on at, at 9 a.m. every single morning. Um, hanging out with hopefully a, a couple of you guys. We're going to be um, talking about all the specials we're running, and we're also going to be talking about um, motherhood. Uh, uh, my my mother certainly means a, a whole lot to me, and so you'll get to to see me in a in a very uh, different light, um, and you'll get to see Jenny, my mother, uh, as well. I'm super pumped about it. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, so I hope you guys will join us uh, and. Maybe you guys can make it a, a, a mother-son, mother-daughter thing as well. Um, okay, let's go to the next one. Digest Shield, a Digest Shield question. I just ordered Digest Shield. Is there a certain amount of time I should take it before a meal? Yeah, you should take it 30 minutes before your two biggest meals of the day. Um, and 30 minutes before because you need to get those digestive enzymes in there to help break down your food properly. So it works a lot better if you take it before the meal, right around 30 minutes before. But yeah, you know, I'm always talking about Digest Shield. I just ran out again today. I have to order another few cases of it. I can't keep it in. It's If you have any kind of gut problem, try this product. It's amazing. We actually, we had a comment on, on Facebook, actually, uh, on a Digest Shield post we, we put, I think, yesterday or today. And they were saying it was the, they've tried just about everything and it's the best digestion aid that they've ever, uh, ever taken. So it's high, high praise for Digest Shield. Okay, let's go to the next one here. All right, a vaccine question. Um, which vaccine would Dr. Rogers take if he had to take one of the vaccines uh, right now? Boy, that is um, a great question, a loaded question. You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, I suppose if two huge guys named Bruno and uh, Buster came in here and pinned me down, got me on the floor and held me down, I'd probably take the J&J uh, J vaccine, the one-shot deal that is through a viral vector vaccine that's probably a little more tried and true than the mRNA. Again, I'm not going <laughs> to preach too much against the vaccines, but, um, you know, it's just really interesting in seeing some of the reactions that have occurred with, the, with all the vaccines. Um, you know, it's very interesting. So this isn't a, you know, cure-all thing that, that they're saying it is. Um, you know, I've, you know, I hate to even bring this up again, but um, we treat so much COVID by telemedicine. And um, last week, I think I treated in one day 14 COVID patients uh, that were all sick with COVID. And five of them had had the vaccine three to five days before they came down with full long COVID. I'm sure it gave them COVID. So uh, most people do okay with it. You know, they get, some people get pretty sick with the vaccine, fever, chills, backache, stuff like that. And it certainly can precipitate uh, some autoimmune measures. Um, so um, I suppose that the J and J vaccine would be the one uh, that I would, feel the most comfortable taking um, right now at this point. Um, so I don't want to 
you know, I think people that are at risk for getting bad with COVID, um, you know, may want to consider taking the shot. I certainly don't discourage it to anybody. I would discourage young kids from taking it. Um, I wouldn't give it to a pregnant woman. Some, some, for some reason, they're experimenting with pregnant women now with a vaccine. And one thing I don't think you should ever do is experiment with pregnant women. I just think that's a no-no. Um, you know, they're all doing it, they think, because of the right reasons. But um, I'm just not so sure that there's a lot of other reasons for it. And, um, you know, as you know, we've, we've had a spike in COVID cases around here and around the country and the world. Um, it seems to coincide with when we were giving all these vaccines. So, and, and they will admit that it doesn't prevent you catching COVID. It hopefully prevents you from getting severely ill with it and being hospitalized. Um, it also doesn't uh, prevent transmission of the disease. So my own little common sense theory is that all these people are getting the COVID vaccines and, you know, they're so happy about it and they're going out and transmitting it because I think it increases viral shedding when you get the vaccine. Um, you know, now Dr. Fauci would probably disagree with me, but, um, you know, the more I talk to people about Dr. Fauci, I don't think many people really like him or trust him a whole lot. He's been wishy-washy on this whole thing. Plus, I think he, you know, he has about 100 patents with Moderna with this mRNA vaccine. So he's got some other reasons for promoting this vaccine that, um, you know, maybe playing a part of it. Um, so, you know, when the vaccine police come and kill me tonight at my house for saying that, uh, can you please notify somebody, Ben? <laughs> um, so um, maybe I've taken a little far today, but use your own common judgment. If you want to go get the vaccine and, you know, you'll probably do okay with it. You know, but I would, I feel more comfortable with the J&J &J because they've used that viral va vector vaccine before. Um, and the mRNA stuff's been developed over the last five months. And so they're not exactly sure what it may cause in the future. There's a lot of theories about whether you'll get this enhancement uh, if they, if a wild type mutant comes along and the people that have had the vaccine, they may do worse with the uh, when the wild type gets it in the general population, which hopefully it won't. But we know viruses mutate every day. Again, I, like I tell people, the best case scenario is you get COVID, you do fine with it, like 99.7% of people do and you have more of a natural immunity. I know the vaccine people disagree with that, but um, I mean, that's usually the way things have happened in the, in the past with, with getting the natural disease and you're immune to it for life, you know, and, and viruses mutate every day. So, um, you know, if you're interested in talking with me about it, I can give you some good resources to go to well, and consider it for yourself. So, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, necessarily coming out against the vaccines. I don't want to do that. I'm not really an anti-vaxxer, but use your own common sense. If you feel uncomfortable getting the vaccine, uh, don't do it. You know, we may have to have the vaccine in order to travel places overseas right now for sure. Um, so, you know, use your common sense about it. I'm, I'm hoping we develop some herd immunity to this thing. Uh, but, you know, what's happening now 
in certain parts of the country and the world, like India, is you know horrible. It's a real disease. It's like a terrible case of the flu um, for some people. For the average person with it, it's a mild case of the flu. Um, so, um, and now they're coming out with new recommendations on mask to mask or not to mask. Uh, to just today, our governor in Tennessee lifted the mask ma uh, mandate. So I thought that was a good step. Uh, I personally think people should get out there and mingle. Um, and, and, and speaking of, of resources, you did a um, you did a Common Sense MD uh, episode on on your thoughts on vaccines. Uh, everybody can go find that on our YouTube channel. Just search performance medicine. Uh, it'll it'll show up there. It's actually it's a really good um, differentiator between the M mRNA uh, vaccines as well as the, the viral vectors. Um, so super fascinating. Yeah. And we got one more vaccine question here. And I'm just going to remind everybody who's with us. Uh, if you want your, if you want to ask a question, go ahead and put in the comments. We're going to uh, dive through those in just a second. I've got a few here um, from Instagram I'm going to get to before, and uh, then we'll move to you guys here. All right. Any thoughts on Novamax vaccine that's being worked on now? I have not heard of this. What, what's your? It's no, yeah, Novavax. Novavax. Yeah, I think it's in Australia, but it's one that's not approved in the U.S. yet. But it's a viral uh, vector vaccine, kind of like the J&J. &J. They're using it in some countries, but they, they've had some blood clotting issues with it. And so it hasn't been approved here. You know, the J&J &J also has some blood clotting issues that uh, they kind of figured out a little bit. And I think it was six women between the age of 20 and 42 that had uh, cavernous sinus uh, thrombosis, blood clots in the brain. One died. Um, but it was six out of seven and a half million vaccines. So, um, as you know, the, the virus in itself can cause blood clots as well. So it's back on the market. And, um, you know, I would still choose that myself over the mRNA vaccines. Um, that's just my own opinion from research I do. Um, so, but yeah, that one's not available here. So if you're thinking about that, just go ahead and get the J&J &J if you, if you if you need to but uh and again if if you're at risk you know you're morbidly obese have low vitamin d levels um you know and are afraid of the treatment for covid again covid is a treatable virus if you treat it early so um uh so but novavax not available here uh, yet so all right we got one question uh over on instagram and that is what can you do to decrease coronary artery calcium? I'm 60 and have moderately elevated calcium score. Okay. Great question. I'm faced with that myself. 10 years ago, my coronary calcium scoring was zero. Perfect. I don't have any risk factors for heart disease. Now at 66, I went and got a, a CT calcium a couple months ago. It's 97. So I'm definitely getting some, a little bit of hardening of their arteries. Um, with age so of course what i started doing was i'm always i've taken a baby aspirin since i was 40 um but um i take edta which is an oral chelator i think that's probably the best way you can kind of reverse some of that or claw some of that calcium out of your arteries and look at your you know look at your cleveland heart panel with the size of your 
uh, lipid particles, specifically your LDL, your small LDL, how, how numerous they are. Um, and a lot of times I'll recommend some other stuff based on that. You know, I'm not a big proponent of statins for everybody. Um, matter of fact, one of the last patients I saw today was on a high dose statin. His cholesterol was a hundred, way too low. No wonder he had low testosterone. Testosterone comes from cholesterol. So, you know, I at least half his statin that he took, he had metabolic syndrome too. So sometimes I'll use a really low dose crest or resuvastatin, um, if I which has some evidence that it may reverse some of the plaque. Um, but you know, you need to be cautious with statins and certainly take CoQ10, which he wasn't even doing. Um, so um, control your blood pressure, get your insulin resistance down. Um, learn how to eat, how to stay lean, um, and consider EDTA for sure. That's a no-brainer. It's safe. Uh, I'm certainly going to take that the rest of my life. So, great question. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the to the comments here, and um, and if you guys have some questions, it looks like we do. Uh, hello, Becky. Hello, Motaz. Jessica, Laura, Melanie. What's going on, Hazel? Uh, we're gonna try to get to as many of these as we can. Uh, Mark, what's up, man? Um, Mark asks, we are now seeing a national outbreak in gastroenteritis, likely caused by novovirus. What do you recommend we do to treat this virus? Wow. Mark's a smart guy. I know him. He's on a different level. He really is. Super, super um, but but uh, activated charcoal is something you could take. Uh, the novovirus is a bad actor, so um, definitely activated charcoal is my favorite uh, natural thing to do. Um, and again, when you have a gastroenteritis, put your bowels at rest. Don't eat anything. Uh, my dad, of course, it was a colon surgeon, and he anytime anybody get a stomach ache, put your bowels at rest, clear liquids only for 24 hours or more until at least the diarrhea goes away. And you know, we have messes we treat nausea with. It'll bring you some relief, but clear liquids, um, activated charcoal, uh, give the bowel at rest and slowly advance your diet to from a clear liquid to a soft diet. Make sure your electrolytes are in there. Um, drink some of the Pedialyte or IV in a bottle type thing and go get an IV if you need it. Watch your electrolytes. That's a great question, Mark. Great question. Um, let's see here. You know, um, Motaz thinks we've all, we've already have a, had a great episode uh, already. So he has a question, but it seems like you know we, we're already we're already on fire, Doc. Motaz, Motaz is always just blowing uh, smoke up my skirt. So he says it's always so nice. But thank you, Motaz, up in Michigan. Well, it, you Doctor. know, and Melanie has a very sweet thing to say as well. Thank you, thank you for saying that, Melanie. It's very sweet of you. Uh, glad everything is, is going well. Glad you're getting better. Great. Uh, um, okay. Let's see here. Jessica has a great question and, and actually we've, we've gotten a, a few questions about the, the, the cop, the coffee, um, the coffee episode and the doctor's note on it, um, regarding some of the health benefits. Uh, we've gotten questions about, you know, decaf versus caffeinated. Are there the same benefits? And now uh, Jessica is asking about green tea, um, do they have some of the same benefits as, as coffee? And um, I forget it was with fatty liver disease was the was the yeah. 
um, subject in, in a recent um, doctor's note with that. What's your thoughts on that? Green tea is excellent for you. Great antioxidants in there. When they did this study on coffee and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, they looked at tea also, and it seemed like coffee had a lot more benefits than, than tea did. So I think it's something with a coffee bean, but certainly green tea, ECGGs, I can't pronounce that word very well, but uh, those catechins, they, they can really help, uh, help you in a lot of ways um, with a lot of antioxidant properties. I, I certainly take a mega green tea supplement every day, and um, I'm drinking coffee to help my brain, and uh, certainly um, I've switched to black coffee. I like organic, mold-free. Uh, so great question. Certainly keep drinking it, but drink some coffee too. If you like coffee, you can drink it. Um, if you have a little acid on your stomach, pour, put a little pinch of baking soda in it, makes it more tolerable. But, uh, what's your, what's your thoughts question. on the, uh, cause I know green, green tea has a lot of antioxidants as well, uh, as coffee. Is there, are they about the same or are they just different? In, in coffee any- seems to be a little stronger with even, I think coffee has a bit more antioxidants than about anything. Hmm. So, um, and a lot of other benefits for unknown reasons, like the, the vast benefits on uh, fatty liver. Interesting. Great Interesting. question. Um, thank you for that, Jessica. Um, let's see here. Becky asks a great question about sweeteners. Um, if you need to sweeten something, is stevia okay to use? Yeah, that's the one that's probably been the most studied that is uh, good. I still think you need to drink. Don't use it in the morning. I love intermittent fasting, so don't put any artificial sweetener in there um, with if you're doing your intermittent fasting. But, you know, the raw stevia is um, okay. And something like Trudia, probably in small amounts, is probably not too bad either. You know, it's got erythritol in it, which is a sugar alcohol that won't raise your uh, sugar levels. If you get too much in it, you may have diarrhea, the sugar alcohols. But um, just don't overdo the stevia either, um, you know, because you can still get some insulin resistance. Like if your brain thinks it's sweet, your pancreas starts churning out more insulin, thinking there's sugar there that's not. So you may get a little insulin level spiking from it. So be cautious with that too. I admit I use some stevia occasionally, but not ever in the morning anymore. What's your thoughts on agave nectar versus something like a stevia? I don't like agave nectar as much. Um, Just from a taste perspective or from a health perspective? Not taste, but from a health perspective. Okay. Um, And again, in, in the, sometimes I'll eat a little bit of raw unfiltered honey which could still spike your blood sugar a little bit, but there's a lot of benefits from doing that too. So just a little bit in your afternoon cup of coffee. Sometimes I'll do that. Okay. Um, that is a great question. That's a, that's a question we get quite often. It's a, it's a really good one. Um, okay. Motaz has a question over on YouTube. Um, he asks, I have a question regarding hormones. I once read that it is important to have estrogens in men's systems. Uh, small amounts and testosterone in women's systems, also small amounts. Why is that? Great question. That is a good question. Yeah. I mean, of course, women need testosterone just like men do, just a lot less of it um, by about a 10 to 1 ratio. But of course, it promotes muscle, helps memory, helps your brain, develops your bones. So 
um, libido, everything is good about testosterone in women. Just don't overdo it. Um, same thing with men. Men need some estrogen. Estrogen um, is vital for heart protection and for preventing bone loss. It also helps your hair and, and skin, but you just don't want to get it too high. Um, you know, you'll start getting gynecomastia and you'll start, you know, watching, you know, movies every night like The Notebook and start crying and everything. <laughs> just kidding. It may make you more emotional, though. There's no doubt about that. But so you need that level somewhere between 20, 30 optimal. Um, so if you're on testosterone, you got to watch those estrogen levels really closely. And but uh, yeah, I mean, men and women are different in a lot of ways, but alike in a lot of ways, too, and that they need a lot of the same stuff and just in different proportions. But great question. What, what is what is the you know, you mentioned those ratios. What's the importance to that? You know, because, you know, I can totally relate to 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 his question is like, you know, we talk so poorly about estrogen in men, but why do we need a baseline like a, a small amount? Is there. Is it just the way we're wired? Is it is that the reason we say balancing hormones, you know, for lack yeah. of a... Yeah. Men should look at their estrogen levels just like women do. And you need some because if you if you suppress your estrogen level too low, you'll lose, you'll get osteoporosis. It'll kill your sex drive. You need some of that for that too. Um, and for all, for collagen and things. So the right amount is good for you too much. Is bad for you. And what's interesting is I've heard you as well as, you know, our other providers talk about the testosterone in women when, when they're on hormone therapy, the testosterone is what, what actually makes them feel really good. That's where they see a yeah. huge difference in, in the way that they feel. Is that, am I describing yeah. that the right way? Yeah, you are. Um, you know, it's amazing that uh, some of the doctors just don't know this, that women need testosterone. Uh, very important for women. And I think out of all the hormones, that's the one that really gives them the energy, helps them burn fat, um, helps their mood a lot. Uh, so it's important that you have, have them all. All right. Great question there. Okay. We're going to go to Laura. Got a thyroid question. Um, is MP thyroid better than levothyroxine or hypothyroidism. Sorry if I mispronounce any of those. So you might want to reread that doc. You mispronounce all of them. Man. <laughs> uh, levothyroxine is the uh, generic substitute for Synthroid, uh, which is T4. Um, when I use Synthroid, I like the brand name. I don't like the levothyroxine a whole lot. Um, and I do, I do prefer NP or armor, um, thyroid because it's, it's actually pig thyroid, desiccated pig thyroid, but it has T3 as well as T4. A lot of people don't convert their T4, which is synthroid or levothyroxine into T3, which is the active form of, of thyroxine. So that's the part that actually works. So probably, um, 80% at least of the women, especially that I have on thyroid, which is mostly women, um, feel better clinically on something like NP or armor over uh, levothyroxine or even Synthroid. So I look at that free T3 level and that's the one I really go after because a, a lot of doctors don't even check that. 
so for the most part, most most of my patients do feel better on NP than they do levothyroxin. So great question. If thyroid can be difficult. You got to look at, look at a lot of factors with thyroid, especially if you have Hashimoto's, which is the most common cause of a low thyroid, uh, especially in women. But uh, yeah, I prefer it. And if anybody on our team is watching, we're going to need to clip that uh, so we can do a little blooper reel of me mispronouncing um, all of those words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to Melanie's here. Uh, uh, no, that was not a question. Let's go to Carlos. Okay, let's see. Do you think hydro hydroxychloroquine, now I'm going to mispronounce everything. Do you think hydroxychloroquine is a reasonable treatment for recent lupus? And I'm not even going to try uh, with that one. Sjogren's syndrome. Sjogren's. Yeah, Sjogren's. Uh, it's got a silent J in there. But um, yeah, I like hydroxychloroquine. You know, uh, it's great for COVID. That's for sure. Um, but it was kind of mislabeled the Trump drug. So it got bad press, but we use it every day for rheumatoid arthritis. We use it for lupus and Sjogren's, um, which is a rare disease. Uh, but um, it's one of those autoimmune diseases that uh, is benefited by um, something that can decrease inflammation. And that's what hydroxychloroquine, if you take it for a prolonged period of time, you need check your liver every once in a while and your eye, the back of your eyes. But um, so with those caveats, it's a dirt cheap medicine. Plaquenil is the, the proper term for it. Um, but, you know, we've used it for 60 years and it's been very safe. Um, there's also one other condition you don't want to use it in. That's if you have a cardiac condition called prolonged QT center interval, um, which is kind of rare, but uh, um, I've never seen it interfere with that, but the really literature it could. But uh, yeah, certainly a reasonable uh, thing before, especially it's a lot cheaper than uh, some other autoimmune uh, biologics like Humare and some of the newer ones, but uh, definitely more affordable. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for for that question, Carla. And uh, and guys, that looks like we are. We are through with the with the the questions here. Um, I just want to remind everybody. Um, I'm so appreciated that you guys are are hanging out with us. Thank you so much. This has been uh, a blast uh, for me. It always is. And uh, we also we're going to be live every day next week uh, at nine o'clock, uh, nine a.m. Jenny, my mother, and I are going to be on Facebook and YouTube, um, and we're going to be having a morning show. We're going to you know celebrate mothers everywhere. Um, you guys can help me celebrate mine. Uh, I'll help you celebrate yours. And we've got specials running all week in all of our offices. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. And, uh, are you going to be, are you going to be watching the, the morning show out of curiosity? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'll probably be working, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing patients. Well, but uh, I do want to remind you that Andy is going to start a live Q&A mm. just for diabetes, and that's going to be starting in May. So, That'll be a very popular little, little Q&A session. Andy's so good with diabetes. You know, being a type 1 is practically his whole life. So we're going to start that in May, which is going to be a great thing for uh, a lot of people. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. Hey, guys, if you know a diabetic or if you are, if you're pre-diabetic, um, if you're type one, um, please come, come hang out with Andy. He's going to be doing a, a live Q and a format, very similar to this one right here. And we're going to be taking, uh, only, only diabetes questions. And I think that's going to be on Wednesdays, uh, but it will start in May. Uh, and we'll certainly update everybody. Um, Dr. Rogers. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. We'll see you next week. All right, guys, everybody. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Uh, I am your host, Ben, uh, and this has been our live Q&A show. See you guys. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends, and if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.